Warriors almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Special final, Jason Jones from the Mothership and the Striker Atlanta. Joe Patrick, right behind the game, is over there. And oh, and he's also from Jersey South Soccer, too, as well. Kirk Castle on the intro. The song is Chances. Thank you, Kirk. And, and, man, I don't even feel like doing all the like the promo stuff I know. today. Do you? I know. No. I'm I gotta say, last night slash this morning was the most disappointed I've been in Gonzalo Pineda. Um, yes, agreed. Which is hard for me to say because I like the guy a lot. Um, I just don't understand what happened last night. I was. We're going to talk about all of it, like the team selection, all that. Of course, the Tiago Amada thing was bizarre, uh, but also just the way he said that, like, you know, the the team shape, they came out in the back three and it didn't work because the LA Galaxy came out in a 4-3-3 instead of a 4-4-2. And like that alone completely flummoxed them or like had them incapable of adjusting to a pretty standard, you know, like mm-hmm. shape that you're going to play against. That to me, it, I don't know. It was just all bad pretty much. <laughs> like there was like not really anything good to take out of last night uh, other than maybe, well, yeah, it's not good, but just. Yeah, a lot of bad, a lot of bad, bad vibes. Uh, there's a lot of context to kind of dig into as far as that the surprise with the 433. We'll get into all of that in just a moment. Before we do that, though, a few promo things real quick. Go check out striker.com, of course, as I kind of build uh, out some coverage there of Atlanta and I day to day. Go check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash five strike final. We have the Jeff Lenowitz and Michael Parker's interview stuff. We have the Felipe Cardenas from the athletic interview still up it's all still up it's all just sitting there waiting for you if you go to patreon.com slash five strike final and me and joe patrick and joe patrick and joe patrick also went on uh doug <laughs> well Robertson's southern fried soccer uh podcast as well it was fun we just uh introduce ourselves as joe patrick. it was while um, we so, were it was like uh thunderstorm when you're a kid vibes like at school mm-hmm. that's how i always think think of it we were just waiting out the storm and then it, the storm we, we tried our best and the storm just kept going so exactly exactly so go check out that um i think that's available anywhere you can find us you can probably find southern fried soccer as well all right real quick this is gonna be a real quick business time we're gonna go to business time now <laughs> <laughs> transition <laughs> we were really burying the lead here but uh yay for aj fortune johnny fortune jay fortune however you prefer to call him new homegrown new homegrown and the contract doesn't go into effect till january 1st of 2023 so that's how they have kind of the one the roster space to do it and kind of mechanics to do it uh seems like a good reward for a guy who's already had time with uh, with the is it the Trinidad and Tobago national team mm-hmm. right yeah the senior team made a couple of appearances so, that's impressive that's uh good to get homegrowns homegrowns are important not all of them worked out in Atlanta 
In fact, a lot of them haven't. And there's a lot to kind of talk about in general with <laughs> maybe luck. the way Atlanta's uh, <laughs> development process here. Uh, there are a few things I'm, I've kind of got on my brain right now, as a matter of mm. fact, as far as Atlanta's development process in general and what that might mean for the new president, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, that that's it. That's all the business time. Cool. Sounds good. I feel like the, cool. the, the kid, the, the gif of the kid at the spelling bee with the confetti yeah. sprinkling on him while he's just like sitting there flat faced because that's how I feel right now. Sports <sighs> Prime game time. Sports Prime Game Time, 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 Sports Prime Sports Prime Game Time, Joe Patrick, uh, 2 nothing loss to the Galaxy, and it all can kind of be summed up by the very first goal that Atlanta allows. It is one of those moments where the ball comes back to Rocco Rios Novo. He hesitates to make a couple of different decisions. No one really shows for him to make any positive decisions. Chicharito was kind of sort of tracking uh, a runner, or not a runner, just like an outlet pass, and then decided, well, this tiny kid who's in goalkeeper just has the ball. So I'm going to run at him. So Rocco Rios Nova just boots it. The two Atlanta United players closest to the ball. I believe it was Marcy and Hosetu. Hosetu, Yeah. Do not move to the ball. Nah. Hosetu, in fact, runs away from it. Marcy <laughs> just like stands there and kind of looks at Hosetu like, wasn't that supposed to be your thing? And then someone for the galaxy comes over and picks up the pieces of it. It kickstarts a very dangerous transition moment as pretty much everyone is spread out. I went back and watched and all of course, Aiden and Caleb are wide. Everyone is wide. Cause yeah. it's they're in possession. Right. And yeah. those kind of giveaways shouldn't happen. Uh, galaxy torch them. Chicharito makes some incredible moves. So it's a really beautiful movement from Chicharito going back and watching that. And that's, that's it. it the, the lack of effort, the lack of understanding, the lack of intensity in the first half can all be summed up with that very first goal. And to come out flat, in that particular situation, not good enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was not a good, a good little moment there for either of those midfielders that you mentioned. You know, I do put the blame though uh, mostly on Rios Novo, just because it's just like a very dangerous ball to try to play in that situation where there's not really a ton of reward to be gained from that pass being completed successfully, and it's a low risk pass, kind of just chipping a ball into the middle of midfield where you're outnumbered three to two. So it, it, he, and I think he had Wiley relatively open on the left either way. He could have just booted it out or booted it long. Cause he was under pressure, but it was just, you know, that's just what Rocco Rios Novo does. He always is going to try to make the aggressive move. I don't know if you noticed this, but like, even like when he when he catches the ball uh, after an attack from the opponent, he's always looking to like 
distribute it really quickly, which is fun. It's good. But I feel like sometimes his teammates are like not ready for it or don't even like want him to do it sometimes because uh, <laughs> the team just needs to kind of reorganize and settle for a second, mm-hmm. especially when they've been on do, been doing a lot of running up until that point. So, yeah, it's just one of those things with Rios Novo. Of just I think it's, you know, that's a, a, a young player just kind of not fully understanding the risk that's being taken in that moment. And obviously it came back to bite Atlanta. Which brings us to one of our main topics of the day, which is lineup selection. Because I said this last night, and I think I was building on a point that you made, Joe Patrick, that if Rocco Rios Novo's distribution is not benefiting you in your major way, which in general distribution doesn't, people get too caught up in that half the time with goalkeepers. If his distribution is not benefiting you in a major way and his shot stopping has been subpar, which it has, mm-hmm. then why are you not giving Royal Godinho a, a chance to help essentially save your season down the critical stretch of the year. It's something I don't really understand. And maybe we're missing something that is happening in training behind the scenes. But this is a guy who has at least had the ability in the past to make the Mexican national team. And I can't imagine that his experience is going to hurt you in any way. Right. Down the line. Right. The way that Rocco's inexperience hurts you now. So I, I don't understand that. But it's not the most egregious one, right? The most egregious one is leaving Tiago Almada out of the lineup. Yeah, and this is almost, to me, it's kind of, it's uh, beyond egregious. It's almost suspicious as to, like, why this would have happened. Because he was obviously one of the best players for you against Orlando when he came on change the game um obviously joseph martinez came on too i think a lot of people have said that like he's kind of part of that but to me joseph has not really been anything special in either the orlando game or this game and it's been largely tiago amada that's been at the center the center of the change in dynamic of the team in those halves um it's just completely boggling my mind as to why he would have been overlooked for uh, what ta- what Gonzalo Pineda said was like tactical reasons to the point where in the press conference last night, I had to like double check. You double checked it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, remember. Be like, I was like, I'm, I'm excuse glad me. Joe double checked that. Wait, what? Because <laughs> he said it to Doug. But then I was like, hold on. Like, I, I just want to like, was the illness a part of it? Because I, I wanted to ask in case that was a thing because he hadn't mentioned anything of it. And he basically came out after I asked and said, like, straight up said, no, it was not about that. And that it was, yeah, just like his decision for tactical reasons, et cetera, et cetera. And I just don't understand it. I don't understand it at all to the point where it just doesn't, it literally does not make any sense to me beyond there being something else going on here um, that we don't know about. I mean, and I don't want to like speculate like too much on anything, but um, could he have like, acted out in training or something like shown disrespect was it like a disciplinary thing if to me it feels like more disciplinary because of how little sense that it makes i don't want to speculate on anything i yeah i mean i have no reason right. to, to believe that it is disciplinary but like that's the only thing <laughs> i can does, think of in my it, mind it, it underscores it right it underscores the not starting him in this case i I almost used the word malpractice last night. I didn't restrain <laughs> myself. Proud of me. But it kind of underscores a couple of things, right? The one that didn't make any sense. It was just a strange, strange decision 
that I think we all from the jump, that's not even hindsight, that's looking at it and going, well, that seems like a bad idea, especially in this particular scenario against a team that gets torn apart most easily by through balls. Mm-hmm. That's the reason you're you're starting Ronaldo Cisneros in the first place mm-hmm. is for his movement in behind. Then it nearly worked a couple of times. But don't you think it might have worked even better if you had the best line-breaking passer on your team on the field? Kind of like exactly what he did in the RSL game for the first goal. I mean, that was Tiago Amada exactly. that plays that Perfect. ball down the channel right. for, for Cisneros to, to score that goal. I mean, yeah, he he is the guy who unlocks things. And not only is he capable of like unlocking a defense like that, but also just like his technical control in the middle of the field allows you as a team to have more control over the game and possess the ball in certain situations, be press resistant, and allow other players to get into better positions because of it. You have more control. You have a better tempo. He's constantly keeping the ball moving. He makes quick decisions. And he only got fouled know, one time in that game. Exactly. Where they were and trying to you, kick him. When you watch Marcy dribble down the tunnels, right? And not find his way out multiple times, like he did last night. Maybe his worst game I can remember. Yeah. Quite honestly, he was terrible defensively. He was terrible on the ball. He didn't make good decisions. I noted Marcy defender have nothing positive <laughs> to say about last night. I mean, nobody was good last night outside of Tiago Amato. Sure. Like seriously, nobody was good. Maybe Caleb was was good was or like was like serviceable yeah, from in what he was supposed yeah. to do. Like he didn't yeah. make any glaring errors or anything. But a couple moments. But the Galaxy's speed on, on full display again. Another thing that we've highlighted multiple times that are problems for Atlanta United is just simply having pace on the wings and. and and any other area on the field, Atlanta United really couldn't keep up with the Galaxy's pace on the wings at times. Last yeah. night, poor Aiden McFadden was getting torched by Kevin Cabral over and over again. Fortunately, Kevin Cabral is the worst finisher in MLS history. <laughs> Dude, so, he is terrible. Like, at, at finishing. Ba- I mean, like, he can fact, do some other things, but like, oh my goodness. Scored, the fact that he scored against Atlanta <laughs> right. should humble them for, for years <laughs> because he can't hit the goal. <laughs> It was the his one first that goal he missed. of the season. The one that he He's missed like, from... He has like 10 XP. Oh, that's his first goal? First goal of the season. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, that was bad. Dude, broke me. Um, broke me in half. You know, I put this out about Tiago, but like, you know, he played... Again, he played 45 minutes. He, he was three, on three, three out of three on his dribbles. He, had, he was 93% passing. He missed three passes. He had 57 touches. That was one less than Luis Araujo had in 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. A tackle, four recoveries. Again, those numbers might not be great, but again, 40 in 45 minutes, he had 0.3 expected assists, which is not great. I mean, the team needs to create more, but that was more than the rest of the team combined, and he did it all without being dispossessed once. I'm curious what his expected possession or expected goals per possession, whatever that, that stat is, right? Like when mm-hmm. you're involved in a possession and uh, the XG that results from that was mm. because I watched Joe Patrick. I have watched every single Tiago Amata touch from last night. Oh, did you? I did. And he had so many passes that you're like, oh, that's a secondary assist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a secondary assist. Right. Like in other timelines, there were moments last night where he had multiple secondary assists because he sets up teammates so well by finding those outlets, by finding those line breaking passes. And by finding passes, especially into the wide areas last night, that set up dangerous crosses, which to Atlanta's credit, both I think Luis Arujo and Caleb Wiley and a couple other folks played quickly and played decisively and were really dangerous at times. And that's where Almada most impressed for me was, was 
these moments where he was able to set up the past before the pass mm-hmm. and to have that was was critical for a team that wasn't even moving the ball in the first half yeah and oftentimes he's doing the he's making those passes out of like really tight situations that are tough to navigate and he's just very clever in the way that he's able to just simply manipulate the ball and uh get it out of his feet in you know to to uh, to a teammate um and that's for that reason why i just don't understand and maybe i'm like still skeptical about the the reasoning that Pineda gave for why he left him out of the team like again for that to be a tactical decision like why would you not just play him instead of marcelino moreno haven't we seen amada start instead of in place of marcelino moreno in a game before this year i feel like that's been a thing maybe not i mean he's i mean tiago's missed a bunch of times so and either way like why not? Right. Right. I, I get that you're looking for some sense of consistency, but that's not what this roster is. Yeah. <laughs> right. You, you have consistent rosters for good teams. This is not that right now. Yeah. This is not that. Yeah. And that's the other. Th- right. That's the other thing is, yeah. Pineda said he wanted to he didn't start him for tactical reasons and like he wanted to maintain a consistent lineup. I mean, it was a consistent lineup from last game, but is that in and of itself Great. like uh, a reason like for that's going yeah. to help the team? I mean, I feel like you need to judge these things on their own merits. And 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 Tiago Amada started the game against Real Salt Lake after the whole incident against Austin and the Joseph Martinez rant in the locker room and everything. Tiago Amada started in the next game and they scored two first half goals and he assisted uh, one of them. I mean, the whole thing just again. <sighs> Again, I I don't know what's going on there, but um, it's a curious one. And do you want to keep talking about this game? Well, I mean, it, it's going to be awesome in like a few weeks when like the big Kyogo Amato news comes out, and we're going to be able to point back to Joe Patrick being so like conspiracy brained <laughs> about this, and be like, "Oh, he was right the whole time." I mean, wow. I don't know. Like, it just again, it just boggles my mind. Um, <laughs> Um, where does this game leave it? Like, uh, so here's what I exactly. want to talk about. Let's so move like, forward to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like this game, I I, I feel like one of the reasons why uh, I'm as disappointed as I am after that last game, and why I feel like there's a whole doldrums around Atlanta United fan base right now, is because it feels like the rest of the season is kind of like show me what you are for next year, or like prove your contract for next yeah. year. It really feels like you need to start adjusting what your priorities are for the rest of the season um, and what sets you up for the most success longer term. And I think for me, one of them to go to another kind of controversial selection or whatever from last night is Joseph Martinez, obviously starting off the bench. I think for the rest of the year, you got to like start him. I mean, I, I understand, I understand the the tactical reasons why uh, Cisneros got the start and has gotten starts the last few games, but I feel like the team needs to figure out what they have in Joseph, first of all, um, mm-hmm. or, and slash, or put him in the shop window. If you feel like you're going to get rid of him, if you're going to move him on after this year, because I do feel like we're getting to the point where I'm starting to hear more and more Atlanta United fans be like, yeah, you know, I don't really care that much about Joseph Martinez. <laughs> like, we don't like we certainly don't want to pay him a designated player contract to keep him around. I think that Atlanta United fans rather would see would rather see the team win. You know. Yeah. And I, I think I'll add to that that yeah. Ronaldo Cisneros is not the way forward. He is not your starting striker next right. year, hopefully. Right. Right. If he God comes in, if, if love the guy. No, right. No, he's done a wonderful job. Yeah. Seems like a great guy. He's a great, great squad player. To have. Exactly. And if you can bring him in on that mm-hmm. kind of a deal after this loan is up, 
awesome. Mm -hmm. Totally here for it. Mm -hmm. Right. It'd be wonderful to have him in that backup striker role. It may be even a technically a backup winger role. Like if you can use him there. Perfect. Right. But I think I agree with you in that sense that, that, you know, you, you do kind of have to decide on Joseph. You do have to kind of put him out there and, and wonder what he what he can look like. Right. Mm-hmm. There are still questions about his his fitness. I was talking to someone last night and they're pretty well connected MLS person. And they said, Joseph looks fat, like straight up. It's not even injury anymore. I think he just looks fat. And someone said, well, that's OK, because he has uh, that dog in him. And someone said, no, 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 no. He has that hog in him now. Um, so <laughs> first off, Wu pig, uh, second off, Joseph needs to get healthier. Yeah. Right. And not in like a knee sense and like a fitness sense, it seems like. And there were times last night where after someone pointed that out, I kind of looked and wondered what kind of explosive movements he was making. And, and there were times where he was just simply beat to balls that otherwise he, he probably shouldn't have mm-hmm. you know, at this point. Uh, two years removed from an ACL surgery. I do think he's a little trimmer still than he was now than he was last Even year. Right, yeah. But mm-hmm. last year, I think it was more understandable why he would be a little bit overweight, especially considering not just the surgery that he had, the ACL surgery, but more so all the issues that he dealt with afterwards, the infections and all that, that really just didn't allow him to be able to do all the fitness work that he would have wanted to at coming into that point in the year. But now he should probably be at a better level of fitness like he should and yeah. I, I feel like there's actually uh multiple players on the team that are carrying a little bit more weight than they could be um <laughs> not to I, get all like yeah, Masada, I, could, I, could, like, I could lose or body, I could lose, or body by the way, whatever it is body percentage, body percentage. I, I could stand to lose like an entire atlanta united player off my body like so like <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> let's get that let's get that straightened out but um yeah but like you know like i think franco barra could could frankly stand sure. to, to lose weight and it would improve him as a player um but anyway that, that's kind of besides the point i i think for that, sure and part of it too i don't want to focus entirely on that it's yeah, yeah. also due to his mentality yeah. and everything uh like that we've which we've gone over over and over again i just thought that outside perspective was yeah. interesting yeah as yeah well, for sure you know? for sure yeah um Another couple things to touch on, Joe Patrick, that I wanted to do and, and just kind of forgot about, even though I mentioned it right at the top of the show. wanted to address the Atlanta United was surprised comments from Gonzalo. Um, first and foremost, I think we can agree that Gonzalo Pineda did not win the press conference. Last yeah, night. it was rough. It was rough. It, uh, I had a number of Georgia Tech fans uh, in the Discord and in the mentions saying that it sounded very Jeff Collinsy. Jeff Collins, mm. if, if you don't know, is the Georgia Tech head coach, uh, Georgia Tech. Um, <laughs> so the running bit with Jeff Collins is to list his top 10 wins at Georgia Tech. <laughs> and there are only nine <laughs> wins. So you leave the 10th spot blank. Right. The uh, next, but he's pretty, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So he's pretty well known for being like, no, things are actually pretty great. Honestly, I think we played really well <laughs> mm-hmm. as they get blasted by who did they fucking lose to the other day where the year was like Citadel or something. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and that's kind of what this felt like. That's kind of what this felt like. To be totally honest, I think we're on record as, as liking Gonzalo a lot personally. I don't like any of that as changed or anything like that and i but i think it's fair to be frustrated as a fan to hear everything try to be be sunshine and roses after a moment that was clearly not that was clearly not that you can't come out every single loss and say fuck y'all what are y'all doing right like sure, it, it yeah, can't right, be that right. hard nailed but right it needed to not be what it was 
Yeah, yeah. And and then, you know, the other thing that struck me was Mateus Rosetto talks after Gonzalo Pineda and he says something like all the players are playing well and We're all this. So well. and it's like, How can you decide who to start? Man, and this guy's the guy who's wearing the armband for you. You know, like this is the guy who's supposed to be the leader on the field, at least during games. And, you know, I hate to be too hard on him, too, because it's like he's mm-hmm. just kind of I feel like he's getting like fed to the wolves. But part of it is that, you know, this team doesn't have a lot of those senior leaders that it had to, to kind of go out and face the media and. And, you know, say the kind the proper things to the media that is um, maybe kind of covering for teammates while also acknowledging some shortcomings that the team has that they need to get straightened out. I mean, I think. I think back to like things that Brad Guzan has said over the years where it's just like there are times where he's like he's obviously not going to like feed the media all like, you know, any negativity or whatever that they're looking for. But he's he does a good job at the same time kind of balancing his defense of his teammates with some valid criticisms um, when when appropriate. And I just thought that it was very strange. And to me, it really struck. a, a um, It made me think of back to our conversation that we were having with um, Michael Parkhurst and Jeff Lorenowitz, mm-hmm. where uh, Jeff talked about. Tata Martino being like unapproachable like he's like a guy like and like that's the stature that Tata Martino had in that team was he was like he was like a king that was like overlooking the team and like you didn't like have the authority really as a player to like go up to him like that was like the level of respect basically that like players were understood to have outside of maybe a couple of exceptions Miguel Amaron and things like that. Mm-hmm. And with Gonzalo Pineda, to me, it feels like the total opposite where he's 39 year old coach, not long off of a playing career. And he, it's almost like he wants to have some of those similar kind of player player type relationships with the squad. And I just wonder if like, you know, now that they don't respect him, but if he's just like doesn't kind of have the appropriate kind of relationships with some of these guys, um, because there just seems to be like a lack of urgency to the situation of this team. Um, and that, that kind of hit me when, when Mateo said that yesterday, I think I don't want to, it's so tough because Again, we don't know the day to day. Right. And, but part of me agrees with that. The other part of me thinks it might just be in the DNA of these dudes, as we talked about a bunch before. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine Leandro or Tito or, 99% of that original group taking that loss. Well, True. last night, yep. Yep. not, not in that way, not in that way, you know, yep. and that's part of what makes it frustrating is that there's not those fiery kind of guys uh, on the field and in the locker room. And you see it, you see it when you come out flat in front of 67,000 people against Austin and get ran out your own damn building. You see it when you come out flat and pretty much a must win game against the galaxy on national TV, right? You see those things and when you see the comments made to the media and they reflect that, you know who these people and these players are, right? It doesn't make them like bad. Mm. It just makes them not the effective type of person for this particular situation on this particular team. Mm-hmm. Right. And, right. And I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah. Um, I do want to address, uh, I kind of, ducked around it a little bit there but the they were surprised about the the 433 yep yep which uh one probably don't admit that in the press conference i I always appreciate (laughs) it always uh transparent see and and the way he deals with us always right gonna be appreciative of that also understand that you have to play the game a little bit Mm -hmm. right even if you were surprised you probably don't say you were surprised 
just because of the connotations of it, it's not going to look good in a tweet. <laughs> you know, as soon as one of us <laughs> yeah. tweets out, yeah. give a surprise, everyone's going to be like, oh, no. Um, it probably wasn't quite that serious. Um, but it's surprising to me that they were surprised to some extent because as much as the Galaxy happened kind of playing with, with two strikers at times as of late, it hasn't necessarily been the focal point for them, especially as uh, Chicharito has been out for a little bit. Um, and they've been going with one striker pretty consistently um, for the last couple games at the very least. Right. So it, and for most of the year. So it really shouldn't have been that stunning for them to come out with that. Right. Yeah. Um, especially since all three DPs were healthy for them. Everything like that. I just want to provide that context for it. Um, that being said, I think some of the criticisms like, oh, well, shouldn't you have adjusted? And to be fair, they did adjust, I think. Right. That's what that second half was. Mm-hmm. Now, could you have done it earlier? I thought about it, right? I was like, damn, you might as well just go ahead and put Joseph and Tiago on now, right? Mm-hmm. Like somewhere around like the 30th minute. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but I understand there's difficulties in doing that. Uh, Joe, what do you think of the they didn't adjust? Yeah, I mean, I like it, it, it was surprising to me that like it actually necessitated uh, those substitutions, quite frankly, quite frankly, to adjust uh quote unquote like if if they felt like they needed to go to a back four to defend against the back three and uh might be i might do something like put together a little video or something for as to why a back three is not ideally suited to play against a four three four three three as it is against a four four two essentially against a four three three um the opposing team can kind of overload the wing back and create some uh, overloads in the wide areas, which is exactly what we saw the LA Galaxy doing. Boyd McFadden, man. Yeah, and they were and by one on ones all day. And those overloads were were allowed the ga- the Galaxy to essentially then just like gradually pin Atlanta into their own third and allowed the Galaxy to really just kind of assert their dominance in the game. Um, so if you feel like you have to go to a fourth, yeah, you know you can do some things like it takes some more nuance, like. Uh, passing off marking responsibilities and things to kind of handle what the, the galaxy were doing. If you feel like you're not capable of doing that in your current formation, you need to change things up. I feel like you could have just pushed. You've been like Caleb play on the left, play on the left wing, George play on the left play as like the, the reserved left back kind of like he was doing in the second half at playing as like a reserved right back um, right. and just play it like that. Um, but clearly, you know, that's not what they, were able to do on the fly uh, in that situation. So that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was disappointing um, that they weren't able to do that. I think that's fair for sure. Um, In the end though, it wasn't what punished them, right? The the lack of effort on that initial play was Mm -hmm. once they started chasing the game that they couldn't get back into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They did pretty well. It's a lot like the Orlando game. It's just that it didn't work out. Yeah. And one one more thing about just this, uh, the, the preparation, you know, I, I was chatting with Felipe um, after the game about this last night. And to me, I just feel like this team almost I, I don't think they're I mean, I think they do come out flat, but I don't think it's like a they're not energized enough for the game or pumped up enough for the game. To me, I almost get the sense that they're they're thinking too much like like they're they're overly tactically prepared and we we hear Gonzalo Pineda talk a lot about tactics sometimes I even kind of lose my concentration when he starts doing like a nuanced tactical uh response and I'm just I kind of can't <laughs> yeah yeah I just lose my attention uh I wonder how much 
maybe some of his players are, you know, aware or not aware of what to do in certain situations tactically. And in overall, I just feel like it kind of reminds me of some of the Frank DeBoer days where I think that he was like trying to like manipulate them very specifically um, to try to counterbalance every single possible situation that the opponent might throw at them. And it leaves them kind of toothless in the end. And you're just Mm -hmm. and you're just like not good in any area. It's interesting you say that because I'm I'm working on a piece right now about Gonzalo's relationship with Brian Schmetzer. And I sat down and talked with Gonzalo for probably about 30 minutes the other day about that. And, you know, part of the focus was on Schmetzer's ability to just put players in the right places. You know, mm. sometimes that's the most overlooked thing about Seattle's success is Brian Schmetzer simply being like, Okay, you go here and this is your task because that's what you're good at. And this is how we're going to succeed doing it. And when Almada didn't play and Gonzalez said afterward that it was because he was looking for lineup consistency. I went, Brian would never do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a Brian move, you know. And so it's interesting to me that you say that sometimes he maybe potentially gets too caught up. And that because I I wondered the same thing after that. It it sounded like he he like 5D chest himself into exactly. not starting Almada yeah. and Galaxy. Exactly. Branded, right. Mm-hmm. So that's one of those things where you're like, okay, this is a young coach still, still learning how to do yeah. this because yeah. when you're a new coach and when you're new to, to anything, you come in with all of your ideas that you've built up on how to do things differently and how to do things your way and everything like that. And you want to get it right with really any project. This is any profession, right? When sometimes you just need to do the simple things well. And that is a thing that Atlanta United has struggled with at times this year. Yep. Yeah. As critical as I am of Pineda, and especially after this game, which I thought was his probably worst managed game uh, in his tenure, like I hear a lot of fans kind of calling for his job now at this point because I think they were so upset about the Almada situation, which I, I understand. But I'm not at that point yet. Um, and I and I, frankly, I won't be you know, like I can't it's it's hard for me to envision getting to a point this year where I feel like genuinely in my soul that <laughs> Gonzalo Pineda is like not the man to that should be leading this team going into next season. Uh, after we get through next season, we see what happens. Then we can start to reassess some things. I just feel like the hand he's been dealt with all the injuries this year makes it really, really difficult. But at the same time, you know, some of, some of the issues have been self-inflicted, I believe. And Mm -hmm. I hope that, you know, he can learn from some of those things. Maybe sits down with Brian Schmetzer after the season has like a nice kind of talk with them. I mean, I, I really do feel like managers learn a lot by experiencing something and then like talking about it. Mm-hmm. with other experienced managers um, and learning from them, just like he has done prior to this. So I, so I just want to kind of put it that out there that for all this, all these criticisms, I'm not like calling for his job or anything at this point. Um, and I think that people do kind of have to understand, realize that he is also learning um, as a manager mm-hmm. himself, as a young manager. Right. Still right there with you. Not even 40 yeah. years old. <laughs> right there with you. Right there with you. Just uh, uh, I think he can be the guy and is still learning. And we're still learning about him and, and everything like that. And to, it's not the time to, to rush and create some inconsistency in the lineup. Oh, God, are we Gonzo? Wait. <laughs> 
can, can I, I want to say one more thing that I, I wanted to mention, which is that um, good because I'm about to go on a rant go. with with the regards to the Tiago Amada situation. I thought it was interesting that Tiago Amada came onto the field and did not um, dog it in his 40. Like he wasn't like pissed that he didn't get the start and came out and just kind of like walked around for the most part or only like attacked and all that. He still put himself about. And I and the reason I say that is to, to say that, like, I still think that the, the locker room um, I, I don't think he's like lost the locker room in that respect. Mm-hmm. I, I know we've mentioned that before, but I still think that these players will, you know, play for him, fight for him, which is a good sign. Which brings me right to right to what I want to talk about, which, again, is our dear friends in the midfield um, and the roster in general. Right. The, there's the John Mueller article that this keeps popping up in the discord about blaming the. It's the sporting director's fault, not the, the manager's fault, it, which essentially just focuses on the roster build in general, right? I'm not mm-hmm. trying to to do a, a fire Boca thing here, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying that the roster as constructed makes things very, very difficult for Gonzalo Pineda because you kind of talk about the adjustments and then you look at how, I, I love this phrasing from Felipe, the, the narrowness of the talent pool that Atlanta has the narrowness of the roster in general. And it's tough to make adjustments in general when you have a narrow roster with players that do a lot of the same things and players who don't do a whole bunch of different things that can make you effective in multiple different setups. Right. And, you know, I don't want this to be the punt game. I'm going to be really upset if the two O loss on the road to the galaxy is the punt game where the team decides, all right, this is, when we kind of just say, all right, the season's over and that's it, right? We're going to just kind of shut it down so we can rework everything as the new president comes in. But I think there is kind of a thing where you have to just all out go for it at this point. And this is how Galaxy Brains last night has made me, is that I'm kind of looking at the way this team sets up and the way this team has been successful over the last few games being very attacking minded and not really relying on their midfield to, to cover a lot of ground and everything like that to be in control of the game necessarily. And I think at this point you just say, screw it and you try to fit as many attacking pieces out there (laughs) as you kind of can from the jump. And you put someone back in a single pivot and I've talked myself into this being Santiago Sosa. I'll explain why in a okay. second. Yep, yep. And you put someone back there in a single pivot, have them cosplay as 2021 Matt Polster and what he did for the Revs, and just say, fuck it and go for it. Mm-hmm. Right? Because what's your problem when you sit in and try to control the games? You give up cheap goals. If you give up cheap goals and you're attacking the entire time, at least you're still giving up cheap goals, but now you're actually making chances for yourself, right? right. They came out so conservative in, in this game that they gave up the cheap goal anyway, and they weren't creating anything. And if that's just going to be the rest of the season, that's pointless. Yeah. Yeah. So go for it. Set the team up in as much an attacking way as you can start Almada, obviously put someone in a single pivot because does it really matter if there's two central midfielders out there at this point because none of them are going to be all that great anyway and just go for it mm-hmm. be be bob bradley lafc toronto right b 
be the mm-hmm. Revs last year. Try to bum rush your way into the playoffs and get there on vibes because that's what you had to do last year and you didn't fix enough of the roster this year to make it so you could do anything else. I mean, Pineda at times this year, he's kind of like, I don't know if it's been tongue in cheek when he says it, but he's like, I can play with two strikers. Like I'll like I'll play with all these guys. Like he's kind of like a, uh, said a, said that he he might like you know do this at some point. Um, and maybe he should. I mean, I, I was definitely. I thought that going to the back three when they did against RSL was the right call because I felt like they needed some defensive solidity, some confidence defensively that allowed them to be more aggressive in midfield to try to like start jumping passes and uh, passing lanes and um, be more aggressive in the tackle, knowing that there was uh, defensive solidity behind them. Um, but maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe that is the the thing that they need to do this season just because it doesn't seem like this is necessarily going to be something that automatically leads them to some, you know, hugely successful run. So Maybe that is the right call. I don't know. It certainly would be a new look for us to see and opponents would obviously be a new look for opponents to see and something that they would have to handle dealing with, you know, again, all these Almada, Moreno, Araujo, uh, Joseph, maybe even like and maybe even another another striker alongside him or something uh, mm-hmm. all in the lineup together. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can look for anything at this night, point, right? Right. Exactly. Right. You're in 12th. <laughs> You're behind, you know, what, one, two, three, four, five other teams in the playoff line. You're four points below the playoff line. You have a lot of people to to overcome. You have Toronto right below you who just turned into a juggernaut over the weekend. I don't know if y'all noticed. Yeah. yeah. Every every other team has pretty much gotten better. You haven't. So screw it. This this right? game coming up against Chicago was one that Atlanta United won 4 to <laughs> like 1 or 4 nothing yeah. like earlier this season and now it's looking like uh yeah it's looking very doubtful that you'll They've get won a result like there. four of their last six yeah. and they're above it. They're above Atlanta United in the standings. I don't yeah. know if you all have noticed that. Yeah. Um, so it's why keep trying the same things at this point, right? Yeah. If you're not if you're not gonna make the moves in the secondary transfer window, like a certain podcast told you you would need to do <laughs> over and over again in the month leading up to it, then what are you gonna do? Because the mm-hmm. same thing ain't working. So if it ends up looking like it did kind of towards the end of the game last night, where George Campbell was in that reserved right back role, that I think I'm totally okay with that. You know, and you know what? If the game opens up and you get burned in a couple of transition moments, at least you're pushing for goals. Yeah. And that's all I got at this point. And this game in Chicago, you play this game and then you've got the transfer deadline a couple days later. So um, this it could be a very consequential result for Atlanta United. I'm curious if they lose to Chicago, um, especially if it's like in terrible fashion, do they just like sell Don Dwyer to like whoever or like sell whoever to whoever just like start moving pieces to to try to just get yourself set up for next year I don't know you know that's obviously a bad look Darren Eels would never go for that but obviously he's not in the picture anymore either so um yeah it's going to be I think a very interesting next couple weeks here to see how this team tries to tries to put this behind them and, and move on from it in one way or another whether that's a playoff push or or trying to just yeah figure out who's going to be on this team longer term bleak man bleak. it is i think if they lose the chicago game that's probably it that's probably yeah. it yeah if i had to guess so uh don't lose 
Don't lose. <laughs> yeah, it's easy. Good luck, guys. Good luck. Good luck to y'all as we work our way through this quick break. Before we get back into the show, did just want to thank our presenting partner of Five Strike Final, Lucid FC. Uh, Lucid FC shop in Buckhead is open by appointment and walk-ins 1 to 8 p.m. daily at 3209 Paces Ferry Place. You can also visit them online at lucidfc.us where you can use DSS as your season-long promo code for free shipping within the United States. Athletic-inspired heritage sets are now available online. French Terry Cotton Athletic sets perfect for performance and in my opinion, or my, my preference, recovery, lounging in athletic gear. Um, as seen on Miles Robinson, their newest release, uh, new, new releases come out every summer this year, every Thursday on their website, lucidfc.us. So check them out on Thursdays for whatever's new is dropping and use that DSS as your season-long promo code for free shipping. Assuming you're in the United States. If you're not in the United States and you're listening to this and you buy something from Lucid FC, I will pay for your shipping. Contact me. I don't know why I did that. I can't afford that. <laughs> I'm just fascinated if we have somebody from like France that's listening to this podcast right now. I know we have someone from uh, Kuwait. Oh, do we? Listen again. Yeah. You better not buy anything from this. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Joe Patrick, I was doing some math during that break. And I was told there would be no math. There, there was math in this case. <laughs> And Atlanta United, 24 points. The playoff line looks to be around somewhere around like 43 to 47 points this year. The way things are kind of shaken out, that's lower in years past. Yeah. Because the, the whole league is just kind of like four good teams and then just a cluster mm-hmm. at the bottom of it. Um, Atlanta had 24 points. They need about 21 points, it looks like. Uh, the rest of the way comes out to about 1.62 points per game. <sighs> so 13 games left, right? Probably yep. six of those at least need to be wins. Well, uh, I said this about the Braves last year and it worked out. I kept on saying people, I was like, they're, they're not going to make the playoffs. They, if they, for them to make the playoffs, they have to basically from this point onward, turn into the best team in baseball all of a sudden. Just yeah. so happened that they actually did that. So uh, maybe that can happen <laughs> for Atlanta United as well. But uh, yeah, you need to get it also on helps that. when you uh, <laughs> trade for Jack Peterson, maybe Rosario and Adam Ball. And, and that helps. Things, but, that uh, helps. helps, right? It, Who's, who'd be the Jock Peterson good- of MLS that we could trade for? <laughs> Let me yeah. think on that. Like, uh, Let me think of that real quick. Let's, uh, let's Jacob let's Peterson. Jacob, he's, he's retired. More man. He's gone. Um, bless him. Uh, Chicago win. Do we think it's a win? Probably not, right? Let's it say like it is just for the like just for the let's okay. just for the sake of this experiment. Uh, that's one. Uh, Seattle win? No, <laughs> not a win, right? Uh, Cincinnati on the road? Maybe draw, draw. Okay, so we're at four points, right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm, optimist. I'm very optimistic. Four points. I'd add. Red Bulls midweek on short rest. Win? <laughs> 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 no uh nope. columbus uh now that they have cucho on, on the road there i think yeah on the road Pro- there uh probably not, not. right yeah. uh dc united will give us a win at dc yeah, united. yeah that, that's a win we're at seven points philadelphia win no, no. portland win nope on the road at portland nope. no uh toronto win nope. no 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 Orlando? That's, you should have beaten Toronto when you had them well, yeah, last yeah, time. Exactly. Uh, Orlando? 
Maybe. It's possible. Let's yeah, it. yeah. Fine. Whatever. Yes. 10. 10 points. Uh, Philadelphia again. No. no. New England. Sure. Why not? Okay. That's 13 points. NYCFC to close the season. No. No. So even being a little even, optimistic with some of that. Is not getting close. It's not getting close, is it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, on to your uh, questions. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Head 17 says Joe Patrick here currently pondering life and everything with the team and wondering how one of the captains can possibly go out and say they played well also is there a reason to not YOLO it next weekend I think we can address a lot of these questions pretty quickly Uh, we kind of addressed the captain thing already that's not what you want to hear yeah Uh, there's no reason to not YOLO it the rest of the way in my opinion yeah you probably yeah you should I'm fully on board with that now uh, Derek Green says, does Raul Godinho not have good training sessions? Why stick with Rios Novo? Man, I it's really weird. don't know. It's weird. I, really I mean, know. Gonzalo Pineda said a couple of games ago that, you know, he, Raul Godinho is coming off an off season, so he's got to kind of work himself up. But like, I feel like, okay. Like when he said that, it's, I was it's like, goalkeeper. Like, okay. I'll buy, I'll buy that for like, till we get to now, but like yeah. starting the next game, you should probably be ready to play. And he still hasn't played, which is just bizarre to me. I, I, feel, I wonder district, whether oh, this is like a case of Gonzalo Pineda, just like being a little too gun shy to like make these choices. Cause like he kind of had a similar thing with Rocco Rios Novo, where he didn't want to play him ahead of Bobby Shuttleworth. Cause he said he didn't trust him. Hadn't seen him in a game and all that. Like, could that possibly mm-hmm. be it? I don't, feel like it is because he would have had a lot more trust in a guy like Gadinho with his experience that he has. So I don't know. I don't, but I certainly it. would it, expect to see him in the next game, but I would have said <laughs> that before coming into the last one. Right. Exactly. I've said that for like three games now. Right. And if Rocco Rios, no, if it's the distribution, keeping Rocco Rios, no, and it's weird to me that Gonzalo Pineda is someone who is so attuned to, to analytics things, right. Would be worried that much about that right you know when most of the numbers suggest that that's not really all that important for yeah. a team success uh from the goalkeeper uh let's see pierce says joseph is an off-season diet and fitness plan from being dangerous the downfall is reversible i think i i think i agree with that i'm not ready to count joseph out yet yeah i think he can i think he can definitely obviously improve uh but i think he can improve to a wide extent to me he to me he just looks like a player totally lacking any sort of confidence and i feel like that's why i get so frustrated with the constant like first touch return pass um mm-hmm. the con- the dummying inside of the box that half the time just leads to a turnover a quick turnover that can eat, go the other way in a hurry right but to me that's just a sign of a player who like doesn't want to be on the ball in those situations to be perfectly honest um which is yeah. sad but yeah i mean i think it is it is reversible but he needs to see the ball hit the net like he needs something good to happen for him uh pierce also said that sosa is the only midfielder who can pass the ball forward there were a couple of very santiago sosa passes uh that he made last you were, night you were gonna effective. you were gonna mention sosa uh when you were talking was, about going this was yolo back. yeah yeah yes because uh, my my theory is that maybe santiago sosa is the guy to be that matt polster-esque mm. kind of single pivot now will that be good no <laughs> no that's not the point here that's not the point the point is to find the most effective option in that case because no one else is really going to do it all that well and if you put sos as a single pivot at the very least in the build-up you allow him to spray passes mm-hmm. right and that's kind of all you want for my yolo 2021 revs lineup right 
Um, so yeah, that's that's what it is. That's what it is. That's I, all. Yeah, I mean, I think he is the player most suited to play as a single pivot. Um, more so than than, than Franco Barr, just because I think that Sosa is a little bit better on the ball. With a single pivot, you need to obviously have the defensive instincts and be able to read the game and do all that stuff. But you Which also, no. <laughs> but you also need to be able to be able to receive the ball from your center backs and and turn and progress the ball upfield. So you need that extra bit of technical quality as well. So it's something we've seen from Sosa at times, especially like well, Heinze really true did play him as a center back, but um. Yeah, maybe he could do something like that. He, he's probably he's more suited to it than anybody else at this point that they have yeah. available. This is my like y'all have been trying to gently like break the lock for the last like 23 games or whatever it is, 21 games. I'm going to shoot a bazooka at it now and see what happens. That That's my Sosa <laughs> single pivot take. Right. Mm-hmm. May destroy everything. May work. It's mm-hmm. better than what we're doing now. Mm hmm. Uh, B. Milton Law says, what's up with the midfield inconsistency? Osetsu looked good for a spell, then Ibarra, then Sadich, but then they'll have a horrible run of form. I mean, I'll talk about replacement level midfielders, but who do we even want to start? I'd give Sosa a chance if he's healthy, I guess. I think, yeah, I, I don't know about Sosa's fitness level is the only thing, but as the concern well, as well. He, it, looks, it, he looks lively Yeah, every yeah. time he's in. The other thing with Sosa is I, I would say something similar for Sosa that I said about Joseph earlier, which is I feel like you want to give him a run of games just to see what you have in him. You Like, like who is he? Like, yeah. is he going to be a guy that helps you long term? Is he going to be a do, guy do that you you'd rather get rid of him? Your U22 slot? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Exactly. Because that has value. Exactly. So you might as well use this time to find out because you just exactly. really have not seen much from him this year. He has such a small sample size. I will say on Sadich real quick, it's, I think Pierce said that Sosa is the only one playing the ball forward. Sosa did play the ball forward a pretty good amount. But Sadich, I think, led the team and expected assist last night, which is... Uh, no, I don't think he did. Oh, uh, maybe not. Because I was adding them all up because <laughs> definitely Almada did. He def- Almada had the most. Um, cause maybe I think- it was second then. Sadich played the ball forward a yeah. lot though in, in some sense right yeah um so. i feel like sadich was getting ripped by people and it's like it wasn't his it wasn't his best game made <laughs> some mistakes but like he's a, he's a me. off budget player like yeah my, exactly my buddy ben asked me what does sadich do and i went make the minimum salary <laughs> yeah, yeah right like right. this is your seventh choice option here right this should not be on amar sadich right guys um Let's see. Uh, Philip Jeffcoat says a lot of negatives this year. Any positives you can see or take out of this year so far? Caleb? Gootman. Cool. Yeah, Caleb. Um, McFadden. You have a, you have you, McFadden allows you to maybe move some money around, whether it's like trading Brooks Lennon or Ronald Hernandez. Like, that's it. It's yeah, some of the young players. Uh, it's, it's some, some of the young, young players. players. Agreed. Um, speaking of, I mean, that leads right into Phillips next thing over under, uh, on how many current players depart the team this mm, off season. If I had to set an man, over under, I think I could throw that at like five and a half and feel pretty comfortable. Yeah. Um, I'd like to look at the roster to really give this a better, more accurate reflection, but yeah. And I'd probably take the over. Yeah, I'm, I, I feel like I'm leaning the over too, on that number, but I think that's probably yeah. right around there. Well, I mean, like, no, we're not going to sit here and do this. This is an article for later. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is not a podcast. Don't waste it on the pod. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Rubber Anchor says, what is the minimum minimum number of changes to the team required for us to be a better than average team again? I'd love to hear each of your answers. Honestly, for me, it's like it's like three. Fix the damn midfield. Yeah. And you're probably good. 
Yeah, you need. Let's see. You need. You need a badass midfielder to come into this team next year. You need a ball winner. You need a ball winning six. Yeah, of some kind. Yeah, you need or two ball winning eights. Whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Get someone to get you the ball back. Uh, I guess we, we don't really know if they. They're, well, they're probably not going to add a goalkeeper. Um, but that is a clear weakness for this team at this point. We don't know what Godinho yeah. is going to be. Godinho was signed on an actual contract. He's not on a loan or anything. So um, him, you probably need another center. You need a cha- you need to change at center back um, as well. You probably need to move out Alan Franco or s- some center back to play next to Miles Robinson. Assuming Miles so Robinson is going to be able to come back. Yeah, if Miles Robinson's back in time. I did have a thought the other day, and I may do a column about this as well. Aaron Long. Is a free agent mm. next year, Joe Patrick. How enticing is that? If you were able to potentially have him on a TAM deal, just it's very, it's very enticing, honestly. Just replace Alan Franco with Aaron Long and pair him with Miles Robinson. Sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? He would uh, fill a lot of those intangibles that we talk about that this team is lacking mm-hmm. right now, too. Um, in terms of just yes, being the team yeah. leader, being the guy who has experience in the league. Um, heck, even the things we've talked about about talking to the media and all that. I think that he would be definitely a, a really good option, but obviously there's going to be a lot of suitors for him, but that would be, that would be a good one. Totally. Someone may swoop in with a DP deal for him pretty easily, but and the other major know. move I think that needs to be made is I, I think that the team has to, well, Marcelino Moreno, I just feel like they could replace him with a player that fits uh, the system better. I think that they need runners that go in behind Marcelino Moreno to his credit does make the runs, uh, he's just not fast, which is kind of half the battle. <laughs> right. So I feel pace like they in could, general is a problem for this yeah. team that needs to be addressed. I feel like they really need a pure pacey winger. Uh, would maybe maybe um, the new signing mascara could be that guy. But again, we just don't know about him. He didn't look blazing. Yeah. In his video. To me, know, he's not like even going to be a U22 player next year. I bet they'll move him on to the regular budget next year and then open up a, a U22 slot with it. Yeah, because his contract I mean, is minimal. Uh, Henry and Alan Fracknow both uh, <laughs> asked about the definition of insanity in their questions, and I think we can kind of just sum it up there. I think we address kind of everything. Um, it's a lot of where do we go from here? Uh, how do we fix the attack? Blah, blah. It's the same. It's the same. Stuff, how do How man. do we fix Atlanta United? We got to get Joe Lowry on to figure to tell us how to fix Atlanta United. <laughs> he almost nailed it. He, he yeah. nailed the Ozzy Alonso thing, and it seemed like that was gonna gonna work out great until it didn't. Um, we don't mean to be dismissive of questions, by right? The way. It's yeah. just yeah. It, it just is what it is at this point with this team. We're in, we're an analytical purgatory once yeah. again. Right. It's like yeah. It's what 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 can you do? Like it's exactly. Other than just go, just throw everything at the wall, like you said. For sure. They're good questions. I'm sorry. That was just me being punchy. I mean, let's talk about this. When Gutman comes back, I think you do. I mean, you've talked about it. You've been maybe the one that leads this bandwagon more than anyone, which is when Gutman comes back, go to a back four, play Caleb Wiley on the left wing. That would be one way to inject some pace um, and some like threatening wing play into the team, Mm -hmm. I think. And he's he showed in the game against the Galaxy, um, he's willing to like kind of come inside and get some interesting shots off on his weak foot. Totally. Um, he's got more to his game than just being like a, a hug the left wing type of player. So I think that's something that could that could add a different wrinkle to this team that would be beneficial. Absolutely, no, I agree. And I think with Gutman, and if you do go to that back four, that kind of maybe reserved 
right back yes. thing we, yep. we've been talking about with George Campbell with Gutman in, you have way more freedom to do that because he's going to get up and down in a way that Caleb Wiley can't. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, he, and he puts himself in the challenges. He can really fitness. win balls. He can almost be like a yep. ball winning midfielder, a pseudo ball winning midfielder and being uh, a fullback type. Yeah. Yep. I'm all in Joe Patrick. I'm all in. <laughs> and Hep asked a good question here. Uh, they said, if, if, when it looks certain we won't make the playoffs, do we still bust our butts to win every game or should the team consider other things like giving the players the FO sees as long-term guys more playing time together and maybe fill in the gaps of young guys who need time. Basically, should we try to save face and put the best team together or work on developing the team most likely to still be playing here next year? That's a good question. Mm. It's a really good question. And I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, unlike <laughs> in other sports, un- un- unlike in other sports, there's not really like a, a, a direct tangible thing to tank for uh, like a draft pick. I mean, <laughs> Technically, there is a draft. You would improve your super draft pick. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Sam, you should have seen his face. Um, <laughs> the league wouldn't like that face that you just made. Philadelphia about Union, draft me. <laughs> You're not going to use your picks anyway. Draft me. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think that you should always be trying to win. I think that you have to try to give the home fans a, a reason to want to come to the games. Um I think fans come to the games to see the team win and score goals and not necessarily to watch young players gel together um, for long term. So, I mean, I think you're still going to try to win. And like even like, let's say uh, let's say Marcelino Moreno is like, you know, in his mind, he's like checked out and he thinks he's going to be playing on a different team somewhere next year. He's still going to probably be giving you a lot of effort on the field because he knows that it's in his best interest to continue to play hard and do all those kinds of things. So I don't think any of the players, even if they are feeling like they might not be around next year, I don't think they're necessarily going to quit. I would say just to kind of reiterate something that we have been saying is that there is an incentive to just see some of the players that you haven't seen as much this year, like Joseph, like Santiago Sosa, Mm -hmm. just so you can kind of internally scout them and figure out what they are so you can make better decisions. Joe Patrick, there's an incentive for you to be on your toes right now as we head into Rapid Fire West. The Pretty Good Idea Giver says, so when does college football start? I think Labor it's Day like weekend? August 20th, 30th, something like that. It's I usually a Thursday. Zero actually is. We get like yeah. a Thursday, there's, South there's Carolina. Like a week zero game. Yeah, yeah. South Carolina. <laughs> somebody, exactly. <laughs> uh, Joe Patrick, Joe Patrick who, who's your national champion this year? Let's just do that real quick. Ohio State, obviously. Oh, well, yeah, no, no they're not. Cedar Spam, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, that's what they said last time. <laughs> that is true. Uh, cool Mike B from NYT says, why don't y'all do ads for better help? We are a prime market. <laughs> I wish we did some ads for we better help. We should reach out to better all, help. We could all use, a, we could all, we could all just generally use a little better help. I think go JD says we can all agree that DPs are key to success in the league, right? We've now started multiple games. with only one by choice. Is this a failure by the front office? the coach or the players uh in Almada's case i think we can put that on maybe the coach uh in a couple other cases probably the front office to some extent as well uh because the players don't necessarily fit all together in a way that makes sense to get all three of them on the field at times and the players themselves have made it difficult as well at times to, to make those calls if we're talking about joseph and everything like that i think we can blame everybody isn't that fun yeah, I mean, that's the, that was one of the most shocking things about the Almada situation is that he's it is such a high profile player and you just elected not to start him again because of a coach's choice or a tactical decision. Bizarre. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a long time this season, these players weren't playing together for 
circumstantial reasons that were kind of crazy. Just guys getting hurt like on a perfectly staggered basis so that none of them, you didn't get all three of them together. But mm-hmm. it is bizarre that they haven't played more. I don't know who's uh, the failure by. Rapid fire. Probably. Ka- <laughs> Rapid fire. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle says, do the players care if it's nearly 10 p.m. start? Does it affect performance? It certainly affects mine. Joe, how was your body clock last night? It was Were bad. Struggling? It was bad. It was I was rough, actually somewhat it? more energized after the game because I was so pent up with rage. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I actually had some trouble falling asleep despite the fact that I was very much wanting to fall asleep during the game agreed agreed I it shouldn't have affected the players that much though no it wouldn't I'm affect not, them they, they got there like Friday so yeah yeah they're good to go they're good to go Kirk Castle says how long till we get a new dog I, I think we have a dog right now but we need a second dog to yeah. kind of like circumvent all of the pain I don't know the second dog Maybe Work another animal altogether. Like distraction. Yes, let's think outside the box here. A five-stripe cat. A five-stripe right. gerbil. There are all <laughs> sorts of ways to distract people from the fact that Atlanta United is 12th in the East with just 24 points on 21 games. Gerbil content could be hot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Big money bet gerbil content. <laughs> Wes, the pretty good idea giver says tank for Tua. No, because he can't throw the deep ball, Wes. Uh, first time caller says related to that last question. I don't think that was actually related to the two question. Sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know why I kept the related to the last question in there. Uh, when is the last day a new president and sporting director would need to be hired to be ready to make the needed changes in the next window? I'm curious about that as well. I, mm-hmm. I don't, we still don't know what the timeline for all this is. Mm-hmm. And that's somewhat frustrating. I'm kind of surprised AMB hasn't held some kind of press conference. In regards to that, maybe they'll do it once Darren actually. They'll probably do it after his like last day or on his last day, something like that. I'm I'm anticipating that. Uh, There is end of season roster moves, which is a big, important date uh, because it's like you're picking up options, you're releasing players, you're doing all sorts of those things, and that happens like days after the season ends. So um, it's not that long away that there are going to be some of those big decisions. So relatively quickly, I would say. Agreed. Agreed. Alan Frackno says, what are the chances we can get Andrew Gutman to play the six when he gets back? This is how desperate I've become. Alan, welcome to the world where I tried to put forward Brooks Linden as a midfielder for the entirety of the offseason. And no one listened to me. Even Jeff. Even Jeff. Could have been great, I'm, guys. I'm, I'm still trying to try it. Y'all I'm, are. Jacob I says, if we're playing three at the back and data, I can't find a spot to start his best player. What does that mean for Mascara? It means that he's going to enjoy the comforts of those fancy like car seats they have on the sideline at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's a good place to watch a game, I bet. And that was Rapid Fire. Joe Patrick, uh, anything to add before we get out of here? Uh, no, we had a good talk with uh, Felipe Cardenas from The Athletics, so definitely check that out. It's on our Patreon at patreon.com slash fivestripefinal. Um, some good content this month for everybody who got to hear from <laughs> Jeff Lorenowitz and, and Michael Parkhurst and Felipe. So uh, don't anticipate that for a couple more months until we can get them back. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah we, have to, good. we have to cycle good. these things. We'll get, no, we we're going to get good guests. We're going to get good guests. We got a good one for this week, I think. No, we don't. It's just Tom. Tom. Tommy Scoops. Let's go. <laughs> we'll talk to Tom about secondary transfer window stuff and all that kind of thing. Patreon.com slash five stride final. We love Tom. Tom's going to be great. We're yes. excited about that. Yeah. All right. Let's get out of here. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>